All right, we are starting a series called White Noise, and as we get started, I want to know how many people in here sleep with a fan or a white noise maker. You sleep with it? Come on, raise your hand. Show some of the pastors that I'm not abnormal, right? All right. I sleep with a fan. I, our family sleeps with a fan on. Every one of us has a little individual fan in the room. Put it on low, just enough to drown out the sounds around us, you know, the neighbor's dog, the cars driving by, because my mind has the ability to focus real quick on something, you know, like, what's going on there? What's going on there? And even sometimes when I'm preaching, I'm like, why are they getting up? And why are they walking around? Another? Were they offended? You know, I'm like, don't do that. I'm just really, don't leave, you know? So, I mean, and I'm still talking, but I'm thinking that, like, for you right there. And, you know, so anyways, but, you know, I just, you know, so, and, and you too. And uh, so... But I, I like the white noisemaker. I like that because it keeps me just be able to like have so many things going on that I, I can black it all out and go to sleep because that's what white noise does. It creates all these frequencies, frequencies, all these different ones, and it just basically makes that sound. And what happens is there's so many frequencies going on that your mind can't focus in on one because there's so many that it just ignores them. And that's how you're able to sleep. How many believe men have a built-in white noisemaker? You know, like, what'd you say, honey? I was, you know, you know. But I love it. I mean, even when I travel, even when I travel on my iPhone, I have a little app, and it makes the fan noise. And so when I'm sleeping, how many think I'm high maintenance right now? Okay. So I do that, and I travel. And the other day, Becca and I, we flew uh, to a time zone five hours behind ours. We were tired. It was 9.30 at night, um, their time, but it was really 2.30 in the morning, our time. And so we're ready to go to bed. And the, the neighbor in the room next to us was like unloading their car like one item at a time. So it was like, ur, ur, and their door squeaked. So it was like, ur, ur. and I'm like, how many pieces of you know, luggage do you have? You know? And it was like, boom, boom. And finally, I was like, what are we, we're not going to sleep here. We're not going to sleep. I thought, wait, wait, wait. So I put my noisemaker on, right on the you know, nightstand, loud enough, blocked them out. It was all good, right? Another time, uh, it went off in the middle of the night. Like I had my iPhone going, sleeping, not our bed. We were traveling. And at 2.18 in the morning, I, I stand up like, what, what, what just happened? What just happened? See, what happened is my iPhone went dead. I had plugged it into an outlet that was off. And I thought it was charging, and it would run all night. And at 2.18, I'm staggering around the room like, what just happened, right? Because <laughs> the white noise was turned off. And when the white noise was turned off, it was like the silence was so loud. <laughs> now, I am praying. I am praying that right now, God will get us in a world that is so full of white noise to stop and listen to the silence. That he'll be able to get our attention right now as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And in a world that has 20,000 frequencies going and it's creating white noise and we've got things going on and this to do and that to do, then in the midst of that, we'll stop and we'll say, God, we hear what Silent Night is all about. We are not going to get distracted. We are not going to be so focused with so many things going on in our life that we miss the message that you're trying to tell us. And I believe God is trying to tell us something. And I believe all throughout history, I'm going to go way back and get us from the beginning of the Bible all the way to Luke chapter 2 and show us that God throughout the ages has been saying, stop the white noise and pay attention. 
I've got something coming. I've got a silent night coming. I've got a savior that will be born. I've got something that you can, you can celebrate if you'll just pay attention. And ever since the beginning of time and Adam and Eve when they fell, God gave a glimpse. He gave a clue that there's going to be a day that a savior would be born. That there would be a day that would be a silent night. That God would be able to break in on history and boom, he would be able to fix it. And in Genesis chapter 3, 15, Adam and Eve have just fallen and they're there with the serpent. And God gives a clue and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And he's speaking to the serpent. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And God was saying, there's coming a day. There's coming a day that a savior will be born. And he's going to crush you. He's going to crush the works of darkness. You're going to strike his heel. You're going to inflict some pain, but he's going to win. And God has been saying, you know, pay attention because that day is coming. But you know what happened? Adam and Eve got busy just like we do. They were like, we have gardens to tend and weeds to pull and, and kids to have and, and clothes to make. And, you know, they said, we've got a lot of things to do, you know. And cities to build. And if you look in the Bible, they were building towers and building cities and getting distracted. And you can almost see that there were so many things going on. They abandoned the things of God so much so. God's like, I need somebody who will stand up for me. And he speaks to Noah and he speaks to Abraham. And he's speaking all the time. And he's saying, come on, guys. Come on. I want you to pay attention to the message that's going on in a world that wants to fill up with all these different things, all these overwhelming things that are white noise. I want you to listen to the message that I have for you. And all throughout history, again, looking at where we're getting to to get to the story of Jesus, God was showing them, guys, pay attention. Pay attention. And he was giving them symbols and, and types, and he was giving them models of what was coming. And if you read your Bible, understanding that everything in the Old Testament is pointing to the birth of Jesus, it really helps you see all the things that are there. It helps you to see it that in Exodus, when, when God is causing the Jewish people to leave Egypt, what do they do? They sacrifice a lamb, and they apply the blood of the lamb to the doorpost. And Jesus was really who he is pointing to. He's saying, you know what? You did that for this lamb right here in Passover. But guess what? I'm coming over here. There's going to be the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He was giving them an, an example, something to look forward to, something that should have given them like an aha moment. If you look at the law in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, if you look at it, God gives them laws to live up to, and they can't live up to the laws. And so the whole time they're like, who will save us from the law? Who can live up to it? Who will be the perfect sacrifice? Who can do this for us? And the whole time God's just pointing them to Jesus, the one that was going to live perfect and pay the price. If you look in the Bible, Joshua, and you see Joshua, Joshua was what we would call a prefigure of Jesus. He was an example, a model, a symbol and Joshua was representative of, I'm going to bring you into the promised land. I'm going to fulfill the promise that was started. And Joshua was, if you will, like an Old Testament type of Jesus, kind of showing he was bringing him into the promised land. And God the whole time was like, that's what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is going to bring you into the promise. Jesus is going to fulfill the law. And so all throughout the Old Testament, God's like, I'm showing you these things. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? But if you look at the Old Testament, you'll see that they paid attention, like really tuned in. And then all of a sudden, how many know the white noise just builds up? 
the white noise just builds up and builds up and builds up, and it keeps going and going, and they don't pay attention to them. And then all of a sudden, something tragic happens. And how many know that when something tragic happens, it's like the white noisemaker's off. You know, it's like, and your whole world stops. And you're like, God, I'm listening. I'm listening. And that's what happened in the Old Testament. They'd listen. God would break through the white noise. And then things would go good. And then, they'd drift away into white noise. And then they'd come back. Probably sounds like our life, doesn't it? Sounds too much like the way we walk our faith. With God, and then away, and then back. God's saying, hear me in the white noise. Hear me in the white noise that's going on around you. And not only did God give them types and symbols and previews, God used people called prophets. He used people that were called prophets, and he would give his word to the prophets, and they would break in, and they would say, God has a message for you. And at this time of year, we look at the Bible, we look at the Old Testament, we look for those wonderful scriptures that talk to us about the birth of Jesus, those, those things when God broke in and said, come on, in the midst of the white noise, pay attention. And one of those that we have is found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God was breaking in and he was saying, I've got something for you. When you, when you see a young virgin that claims that God has done something supernatural, that's real. I'm about to break in with the silent night. When you see a young lady that has to go to her mom and dad and say, Mom, Dad, it wasn't him, it was God. You know that it was a sign from God. He was breaking in, but they didn't pay attention. They didn't pay attention, but God's like, I got it, I got it, I got it. Will you pay attention? Will you pay attention? I'm going to break in. He did other things. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, God prophesied the exact city where the Savior would be born. He said, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So they should have been looking for a young lady ready to have birth in Bethlehem. They should have been looking. Their eyes should have been on it. God was telling them, I'm going to break in with the white noise. I'm going to break in and give you the silent night. But you know what? They were so, so distracted. They were so distracted. Now let's not overlook uh, a prophecies in Daniel. You don't always think of Daniel as a place to look for prophecy, okay? Because you think, how many think of Daniel? Daniel in the lion's den, right? Daniel in the lion's den. But Daniel prophesied. In Daniel chapter 2, 7, 8, and 11, Daniel prophesied different things about the future. And he basically said, this is how it's going to happen. This kingdom is going to take authority. Then this kingdom is going to replace them. Then this king is going to be broken into four kingdoms. Then this is going to happen. And this. And if they'd have been paying attention, they'd have known like, Hey, 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 the Savior's going to be born. Messiah's coming. Big news. He's on the verge. Do you realize, and I'll give you a little history lesson here, because it all leads us up to the moment of his birth. Are you with me with the history lesson? Are you with me? All right. So Daniel prophesies that the Greeks would take over. This was all prophesied. So Alexander the Great, we know him in history. Daniel prophesied that way before he was on the scene. And he said that Greece would rule the region. And that's exactly what happened. And Alexander the Great conquered that whole region before he was 33. And when he died at age 33, he had introduced the Greek culture to that region. And you know what that had done? 
That had created more white noise because the Greeks were about live it up now, sin while you can. Who cares about the vow you made to your spouse? Live it up. And so that was permeating the culture and it was a world of white noise, way away from God. And the people of God started to get caught up in the Greek culture and they started to go into what is called a Hellenistic society, which just meant worldly. And they went after that culture and they went after those things and they started drifting away and the white noise was building. But Daniel prophesied that Alexander the Great's uh, country would be broken up into four smaller countries. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. And so if they would have been paying attention, they would have said, something's happening. Something is happening. And instead of knowing these as the 400 years of silent, silence, they would have said, you know, Daniel prophesied it. We're all part of it. This isn't silence. This is exactly what God said. Man, if you can catch it, they were just getting on the verge of it. They were getting ready and in this broken up kingdom that was ruling at the time. The ruler of that day said, I don't want to see Jewish people offering sacrifices to God anymore. I don't want to see them doing this anymore. And he went into their temple. And he took a pig, which was an unclean animal, and he went into their temple. And as king, he sacrificed a pig in their temple. He defiled the temple. And when he did this, you know what happened? The people of God, they were so upset. And in the midst of white noise, they started paying attention. And they revolted against him and took authority, which also was prophesied by Daniel. And in the midst of this, again, the history, stay with me, this emerged two groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. How many have heard of those guys before? The Pharisees and Sadducees rose up from this group, and they were essential towards the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They were the ones that came against him. So from that rebellion, they rose up against him and were in place, which was all setting the place for Jesus. How many know God is always up to something? I mean, you hear this, you're like, that is amazing. God is always up to something that he should have been paying attention. And instead of the Pharisees and Sadducees, like, creating, like, this reverence and fear for God, you know what they did? They got all sucked into, like, power and rules. The Sadducees loved their political power and basically became corrupt because they were connected to Rome and they had their power. And so they were corrupt in that way. And the Pharisees basically got caught up in rules. And so instead of making it simple to worship God, instead of saying, guys, in the midst of white noise, let's worship God, you know what they did? They added to the white noise. 613 rules. You're like, I want to worship God. I want to, I, I'm distracted by this. I want to just come and worship God. I just want to follow him. And they're like, nope, 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 rule number 407. Nope, you can't do that. You know, I want to do, nope, rule 532, can't do that. Nope, rule 217, you know. And they had all these rules. And how many know that's like white noise, you know? How many of you like if you came to church? Nope, nope, not that seat over there. Nope, nope, not that. Don't raise your hand that way. We're a double hand church. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. How many of you like, like, you just be like, I give up, man. I give up. White noise. And all this is going on and they're increasing it with all the rules and all the corruption. And it's causing God's people to turn away. I'm going to tell you what, we don't need more white noise in our world right now. Because white noise is just good for sleeping. You know what God is saying to his church today? Don't sleep. Wake up. We don't need more white noise because white noise is good for ignoring things. And God's saying, don't ignore. Don't ignore. Pay attention. And I believe that's a word he's speaking to our church right now. This is the time to wake up, turn off the white noise and hear me. At that hotel the other day when we woke up, it was Four in the morning, you know, it was really nine in the morning our time. 
First thing I did as I leaned over to the nightstand and I turned off the white noisemaker because I wanted to hear Rebecca. And she was very close to me, but I could hear her because that thing was blaring away. I turned it off. And I was so glad that I could hear her. If we want to hear God, we've got to turn off the white noise. And then when we got up, you know, we wanted to take a walk and we were right there by the beach. And so I said, let's go take a walk and have devotions by the ocean. I love doing that. And uh, I walked out our door and I heard our door go, and I thought, Oh, and I have a confession to make that I took my door and I went, and then we walked away. So just telling you. Sorry. <laughs> but I want to tell you, we've come a long way as a family. When we were early married, uh, I saw a side of my wife that I've never seen. Uh, we were there at a hotel. We were young, married, and the couple next to us was having a party. And at 2 in the morning, we called and said, can they please stop? And we had to get up at 5, and so we're checking out of the hotel. And as we're walking down the hall, I have the suitcases, and I'm just down to the hall where I'm going to exit to go to our car. And my wife says, hang on for a minute. She runs down to the room, bam, 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 and then runs down the hall like ding-dong ditch. I'm not kidding. Not kidding. So we've come a long way. <laughs> White noise is good for ignoring. God does not want to be ignored this year. White noise is good for sleeping, and God does not want a church that's asleep. And he's got a message for us to take to all the world. He's saying... Don't miss it. The religious people caught up in all those rules, they missed it. Herod, he was so caught up in his power and his kingdom and his self, he missed it. Oh, he faked like he wanted to worship Jesus, but he did not want to worship Jesus. He was faking it. He was so caught up that he missed what God was doing. There were others that just missed it. They were so worried about life, they missed what God was doing. But there were a few people that heard it. And in the midst of a world of white noise, there were guys that we know as the wise men. They were paying attention to the things I just told you. They were paying attention to the prophecies. They were paying attention to the signs. And they saw that God was about to break in in a world of white noise and bring an amazing silent night. There were the shepherds. They were being quiet. And because they were quiet, God broke in and said, you will be part of the greatest night in history. You'll be part of it. And I believe God is saying to us again, this year where we celebrate his birth, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't get so caught up in the white noise of life that you miss the silent night. The other day we were with relatives. We were celebrating Thanksgiving, you know, holiday. And in the midst of the eating, in the midst of the fun, I felt like God really spoke to me and said, Rob, don't miss it. There's more here than the white noise of the turkey and the stuffing and the potatoes and the football games on, and the sales tomorrow. There's more here at this table with you. You have two family members that don't know me. We hadn't seen them in 13 years. They've been living in Italy. And I felt like God said, in the midst of the white noise of this festival, of this holiday, don't miss what I want to do. I want to do something here. So I stopped and I just said, hey, you guys, um, can I just take a couple minutes and talk to you about my faith? I said, you know, you know I'm a pastor, and you know that I'm a Christian, and that I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven. I did it. I went forward at a Billy Graham crusade. I said, you know, your Aunt Becca, 
she gave her heart to the Lord when she was seven as well. You know Connor and Logan, your cousins, they gave their heart to the Lord as well. So it's, it's really important to us. It's the most important thing in our life, our faith in Jesus Christ. Could I have two minutes to just share with you just about my faith? Sure, sure. They're college students. We hadn't seen them in 13 years. I said, do you, do you ever go to church? And they said, no, no, we don't. Dad used to bring us when we were little, but we don't go at all. I said, did you ever get invited to youth group when you were a teenager? Did anybody take the time to invite you? No, no one ever invited us. My heart broke. I said, Jesus means everything to me, and, and I want to let you know that we believe in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We believe he could forgive you of your sins if you asked him. I know that there might be questions and things that you would have, and I don't want to be the pushy relative, but I would just say this. I couldn't sit here and be happy with all that's going on knowing that I need to just at least share this with you. And I said, should you ever need prayer? Should you ever want to talk about the things of God? If you don't own a Bible, I'd buy one. If you ever felt overwhelmed in life and you wanted to call someone and ask for prayer, I, I would pray with you. I would be delighted to share with you about faith. And I just want to let you know that Jesus Christ would love to be your Lord and Savior, forgive you of your sins. And if you ever wanted that, I would love to lead you into that. I hope you don't think I was a pushy relative, but I had to share because Jesus is that important to me. And they said, okay, and thanks, and it was a touch awkward because, you know, they didn't just like, yeah, Pastor Rob, we want to give our life to the Lord right there. It didn't end that way, but I felt like I obeyed God in the midst of white noise of all the festivities. I paid attention to what God was really up to. I'm just asking that we'll pay attention this month. The world gives us permission to celebrate Christmas. The world gives us permission to celebrate how good God is. And let's not get all caught up in the white noise of what party we're going to and what gifts we need to buy and where we need to go and what are we doing for travel. And what. Let's not get so caught up in that that we miss the silent night, okay? Let's not get so caught up that we miss what God is doing and let's take advantage of every opportunity that he gives us in a world so full of white noise. So God, I'm praying right now that you would help us all to do that. That you would help us all to pause in the midst of a world so full of white noise, so many things going on, so many things that we start to crowd out what it's really all about. There is a silent night that happened. There is a truth that happened. Christ the Savior was born. And we know that. And in our world right now, we're so distracted by these other things. And I'm praying and believing for our church that we would be on mission, looking for those moments, looking for those opportunities to share why we have that faith within us because it's there. So God, forgive us for crowding out what's so important. In a world of white noise, we've crowded you out. Forgive us for that and help us to be focused on the voice that we really need to hear right now. So I thank you for that. I believe it. I just ask that our church would take advantage of this and hear the voice in the busy world that says there is a silent night. There is a purpose. There is a plan. Christ the Savior is born. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can you stand with me all across this place?